You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have an amazing guest on the show, Rachel. She is a writer, a podcast host, a graduate student, and loyal New Orleans Saints fan. Who that? She has worked at NOLA.com as a sports journalist, a video host for three years, and was transitioned. God closed the door on that. She transitioned to just another opening that God had for her in public relationships or public relations and the marketing world. Now she is the host of her own podcast called Black and Gold Rush. She explores stories both on and off the football field and turns them into truly meaningful conversations. No team connects with with its fans like the Saints do, and I'm a personal testament of that. And she brings interviews filled with New Orleans sports, life and culture to connect with you. Now she lives in Lake Charles with her husband, Adam, and, but they always find the, the, the chance to get down to New Orleans, whether it's for games or whether it's for Mardi Gras without ever missing anything. So Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Joseph, it is awesome to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So... What? Let's just dive into this. I mean, we just got done with an interview, you and I, and yeah. talking about your radio show and just talking about, you know, uh, my connection with the New Orleans Saints as a dog trainer and then also with, you know, what I went through in terms of the death of my father and wife and things like that and even how the Saints played a connection. But let me ask you this. Why the Saints? Why why the, the, the Black and Gold Rush podcast? <laughs> so, yeah, I... Ever since I was a little girl, so I'm the oldest of of, of two girls. My um, my sister is three years younger than me, and so when my when my parents had two girls, you know, you know, my dad, I'm sure was thinking, well, darn, I don't have anyone to throw the football with, you know, outside or right. watch football with, you know. Well, he really lucked out with me. <laughs> he took me to a game my first Saints game when I was about six years old. And back then, the Saints really weren't anything to write home about. But the energy just of sports in general, but especially the Saints, just just stuck with me. And I, I always have loved to write and so he he obviously was thrilled. And so we made it a tradition to to go to at least one game together every year since then. You know, when I was younger, we would get my face painted outside outside the dome on Poydras. And it was just an awesome tradition that, that we had. And we became season ticket holders uh, in 2010. So. It, it just stuck from there, just the my love and passion for for the Saints. And even to this day, my my husband and I have been married for for three years. He he, he does not get into it like I do. He tries <laughs> to tell me to 
to calm down or simmer down if, if anything is too too exciting or, or too nerve wracking. But th- there's nobody that that quite gets it like like my dad. Like he's my favorite person to watch to watch Saints games with. Yeah. And so it, it's just a, an incredible bond that that we have. And so that's really where it all started. And so I was lucky enough to pursue journalism in college at LSU and get a job at a small local paper, the Lake Charles American Press, after college as the it was the first female sports reporter they ever had oh, wow. in 2011. I know, crazy. But um, so I was there for a year, met my now husband, and we started a long distance relationship that went on <laughs> for five years. And yeah, I left Lake Charles after I got the job at NOLA.com and hosted the two video shows, Black and Gold Today and Talking Tigers about the Saints and LSU, which was amazing. Absolutely wonderful experience. But then I got laid off, you know, corporate downsizing, the state of journalism is just so unpredictable. Yeah. But, you know, my, my love for, for the Saints never, never faded. It's just contagious, Joseph. I mean, especially since, since Sean Payton and Drew Brees arrived, you know, and Sean Payton's still there, Saints fans, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't lose hope, you know, just because there's going to be a new quarterback. I I still think that they're going to be all right. But, but anyway, anyway, um, I kind of, I kind of lost a little heart when I got laid off, you know, felt a little sorry for myself, but I I realized that everything happens for a reason and kind of found my way slowly, but surely. And, um, it took a while, but um, I I was able to realize that everybody has a story to tell, like right. like we talked about, and I, I leaned into it, and here I am talking with you. It's it's awesome. So you know, for our listeners, you know, I mean, we've all gone through transitions in life. We've all gone through something that is painful, right? Okay, whether mm-hmm. it, for you it was a loss of a, a job that you loved, that you loved yeah. doing, you know, and. That can set anybody back, you know, accounting on finances, depending on your financial status, things like that. That can really, I mean, when you mess with people's money, you, you, you're messing with some stuff, you know. How did you, in the midst of that pain, and of course you were let down, you know, how did you find your way back? What were you doing that you can encourage people that are listening that have gone through any type of painful situations? And this last year... Who wasn't affected with their job in COVID? A lot of people across the nation were, you know, across yeah. the world, not just the nation, the world, you know, how, so did, you true. Make, how did you make it through? What did you do? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I still remember that day. Like it was, I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was, it was September of 2015. And I, I got a bad feeling when my boss called at, it was like 7 a.m. And I, I got a bad feeling. We, we, we had heard that there were going to be some layoffs. But since I did, I worked mostly on in digital media, on the digital side of, of the sports department, I, I felt like I was safe. Yep. But that, that morning when, when he called at 7 a.m. and said to come meet him, I, I got a bad feeling. Mm. So, and after, I kept it together 
during the during the, our one-on-one and then I went in the bathroom and just cried my eyes out you know and I, that, that's what I would encourage people to do is you have to give yourself room to to grieve you know yes. because a loss of a job is if it, especially if it's a job that you like it it's like losing something or someone that you that you love and that you care about so I just cried my eyes out and then I went back to my apartment and so I I moved out of my apartment shortly after and you know my parents are from you know still lived in New Orleans so I thought about getting another apartment but <laughs> my husband later told me this that he he kind of encouraged me to move back in with them because he was going to propose to me a little bit later you know so he was making a selfish decision for himself you know right, rather right. than throw money away you know and rent another apartment he was like why don't you just move back in with your parents you know <laughs> so but anyway not not everyone's in that position yeah. so you have to make decisions that are that are financially prudent you know for yeah. for yourself but um so yeah, I'm, I'm, I moved back in with my parents and it actually took me a year to find another paying job, wow. but I volunteered. I, I, I got in and I volunteered. I, I decided I was, I was like, I was mad. I was done with journalism. I was like, okay, I'm done. I have to, I have to maybe do something in, you know, public relations or marketing, you know, maybe that's what I'm called to do something a little more mission driven. And, you know, I, I grew up very, very, very faith-based, grew up Catholic, still, still very proud of my Catholic faith. So I was like, okay, maybe something a little more mission-driven. So I volunteered with the American Heart Association, some of their events, um, both in New Orleans and in Houston, Texas. My favorite is the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Awards, which kind of blends sports and public relations. So I was able to get my foot in the door there a little bit. Nothing was paid, but Again, another piece of advice, I guess, would be to keep your eye out for volunteer opportunities, you know, building relationships like we talk about, you know, any way that you can set yourself apart and maybe down the line, there might be an opening for you that's paid, you know? So, yeah, but ultimately I, I, I was able to land a paid opportunity with the New Orleans Business Alliance in 2016, about a year later, October 2016. And then uh, I I was there for two years and then moved to Lake Charles after I got married. Yeah. So those are just a couple pieces of advice I would say, you know, give yourself time to grieve and then, you know, network, build relationships. Don't be afraid to volunteer if you have to for a while before a paid opportunity opens up. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I say on the on the podcast when helping people go through things like this, whether it's grieving or just the pain and, and, and trauma is, you know, number one is take time to grieve. I always say take 15 yeah. minutes, you know, and um, and of course you can do that multiple times a day. Right. You're not set to just yeah. 15 minutes throughout the day. You know, the other thing is, is I, I tell people is find somebody to help and help them. You know, when we start helping other people, it releases a lot of stuff just within, within us. Because ultimately, you can't fill a filled cup, right? You can't. It's, it's full, you know? Right. And so 
but you can definitely feel an empty cup. You can definitely feel. And so when we're pouring out to other people, you know, you just never know what, you know, if those that believe in God or those that don't, you know, you just never know what helping other people can do for you. You know, it can bring healing through your situation. You know, when we're going through things like that, that are trauma, trauma, the end result of trauma is shame. You know, there's probably a time point that you started blaming yourself. I'm like, well, I lost a job because of this. Well, first it was probably like, I can't believe they fired me, you know, or I can't believe they let me go, you know, and you start blaming them because that's natural. We all do it, right? Because nobody wants to find blame in themselves, right? It's all about the other person. That's what we naturally do, you know, but then at some point it's just like, well, maybe it's not about them. Maybe, you know, I started doing something or I did something wrong or I wish I could have done this better. And it kind of starts off with, I wish. I wish I would have done this a little bit better. I wish I would have done this a little bit better, you know, because that's ultimately what trauma does to us. And trauma is not necessarily a horrific event that's happened in our life, you know, a car accident or being raped or molested or losing somebody. It could be the loss of a job because it's still mm-hmm. painful. You know, it's still something that brings uncomfort- uncomfortableness in the midst of our own life, you know? You know, some people, like especially with COVID that's happened this, this past year, you know, some people are still trying to recover from their jobs. Somebody, some people are, I mean, listen, I mean, think about cruise lines. You know, yeah. they, they are still not in operation. Airlines are really finally starting to take off, you know, uh, like they were pr- uh, prior to it. But, um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm glad that you said that about taking the time to grieve, you know, and then finding the volunteering, finding somebody to help. Because when you do that, you actually will open up the door to be able to learn things about yourself in that midst, you know. And for you, for your job, there's no doubt that you learned other things while volunteering. Absolutely. That was really my first exposure to the public relations world. And now I'm studying to get a master's degree in public relations uh, from the University of Florida while I'm doing the podcast on the side. So yeah, looking back on it, the American Heart Association was my first exposure, like I said, to public relations. And I met some amazing people there both in New Orleans and in Houston. So, right, the more relationships you can develop, the the better off you'll be, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's just nothing like helping other people. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really, it puts our selfishness on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And then we become, and there's nothing, and what I mean, what I say by selfishness, you know, it's not necessarily selfishness in a bad way. We all want our healing, right? We do. Mm-hmm. But however, sometimes I believe that we we hold the key to our own healing. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the that is such a great point. You know, a lot of it is our own. We discover when when we're put in an uncomfortable or an adverse or painful situation, we have to dig deep sometimes to uncover things that we didn't even know about our about ourselves or reach out and and develop relationships or grow closer with family or friends that that we we didn't even know that we were we're going to be there for us yeah. so yeah it's it's we have to dig deep sometimes absolutely absolutely now besides that loss and, and, and the yeah. job loss and you know god closing that door and then of course opening up another one you've also had something going on in your life that definitely has impacted your life for over the last, you know, 14 years. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So when I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed with epilepsy and 
it, it was a crazy thing because I have no family history of the condition. I had my very first seizure on a summer night when, when I was 14. So I just finished my freshman year of high school and it was a full-fledged grand mal seizure. So the kind where you fall on the ground and wave your, your arms everywhere, you know, all your body parts. And so the friends I was with, you know, obviously had no idea what was going on. Uh, so I, when I came to, I was, I remember I was in an ambulance with a paramedic standing over me and I was like, where's my mom? A couple days went by, you know, they, 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 they ran some tests and came back and said, Hey, you, you have epilepsy. And so they, they put me on some, you know, one, one particular medicine and every case of epilepsy is different. Some people I'm lucky enough where I have one of those cases where it's kind of in the middle of the road, I guess you could say. There are some people who need lifelong, long-term care. Right. You know, they have they have a seizure every day. You know, I I'm not like that. I I've gone two years I've gone two years at some points in my life without without having one. That that's we we celebrate that. But yeah. that's um <laughs> that's thanks to medication and very strict medication regimen. But I haven't, my husband has never seen me drive a car, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, uh, if, if you can imagine that. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's required some lifestyle changes, that being the major one, um, not being able to drive. But um, I would say that, you know, for anyone out there that has like a be it epilepsy, you know, the thing that people don't know is that one out of every 26 people ha has epilepsy, you know, is actually a pretty common condition. So for anyone that has epilepsy or a lifelong medical condition, like maybe, di you know, diabetes or something like that, you know, you are, you are more than that. You can live your life. You can have, you know, get any, you know, have a job, hold down a job, you know, get married, you know, yeah. You you are more than than that. Absolutely. At what point? So you're 14 years old. You had your first seizure. What did you think of at that time? What what, what was your? Oh my God! I'm now being diagnosed with epilepsy. What, yeah. What was, so, what was in the mind of a 14 year old? I mean, gosh, I, I was so young at the time. You know, and so my mom, she really took control of my my health history and really trying to figure out i mean like like i said i had no family history so she was just trying to figure out like okay how often is this going to happen you know like making i mean like I'm, I'm i've always been a pretty organized person so it was it was no problem for me to you know take my medicine every day you know things like that but she like stayed on top of it you know kind of thing like that you know so so i i was i guess i just thought like okay, I have to deal with this, you know, cause there's no cure, you know, I'll probably be on medicine for, for the, for the rest of my life, you know, and my neurologist now, and, you know, at Oshner and Mandeville is absolutely phenomenal. She's got me on a great medication regimen. And so, I mean, my, my mindset then was just really just Try to figure out as much as you can, you know, be your own best healthcare advocate, you know, I guess you could say, Absolutely. you know, um, 
like try to try to get to the bottom of it, but everybody's case is different. You know, some people feel what are called auras. They can feel their seizures coming on, which makes them able to drive. I'm not one of those people, you know, so I, I have an episode and I always have this, this, I, I, I call it this. I call it the seizure headache. It's very, very distinctive headache afterward, where I just want to sleep for twelve hours, mm. you know. So, but like, hey, if that if that's one of the worst things in my life, you know, I'm willing to bear that, you wow. know. Like, I'm willing. I'm willing to carry that. Yeah, Rachel. A minute ago, you said for, for to the listeners, those that may have a disease or or or, or even. Let's just talk about anything, really. You know, yeah. they, they, a divorce or abusive relationship or verbally or physically, a lifelong disease, or they're fighting something. Like for for instance, my wife was you know fighting cancer, but you made the comment you're more than that. When did Rachel realize she was more than what her circumstances were showing her? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That that's such a great question. I'd have to say when family and friend and friends were always willing to drive me places, you know, when I was unable to drive, like I, I was, I was worried about that. Like, yeah. you know, in college, for example, when I was unable, I was working for the, for the school newspaper, shout out to the daily Reveille. Uh And <laughs> uh, like, if I was unable to get to a football practice, because uh, I didn't have a car, you know, and I had, I might have to explain why, you know, like I was afraid of getting like, you know, weird looks or something like that, you know, but people, they're, they're good people out there, you know, like when I realized that you just have to find your support system. And now I have an amazing husband who for five years drove his brand new truck, you know, from Lake Charles to New, you know, New Orleans to, to visit his girlfriend, you know, uh, so often, you you know, (laughs) I know it took him long enough, but (laughs) well, he had to save up money on a gas he was spending. I mean, he had to save up money for that room. I know. I mean, (laughs) so, so yeah, but, um, but, but yeah, when you, when I saw the support that was around me, I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I I, I can. Yeah. Yeah. So would you encourage how you said the support system? I, I, I mean, we know that's important. We can hear it in your voice. I can hear it. You know, the listeners can hear it. How do people find a support system? What about if they don't have family around? Yeah, no, that's 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 a valid point. the The Epilepsy Foundation, my, my family is is involved in that. You know, specifically for epilepsy. But if you're battling a disease, you know there are a lot. There there's a foundation most likely that's raising awareness and raising money for that disease. So there. I follow them on on social media. I'm on their mailing list. Uh, they're they're always putting out positive messaging and tips, and you know, telling you what's new or how to find support. You know, if you're feeling alone in the in your fight in whatever 
you know, condition you, you're in. So I would, I would definitely, definitely start there, advise that they, they offer, and they even offer things like counseling, you know, if you, if you feel like, if you feel like you, you need that. So yeah, definitely start with things like a, the Epilepsy Foundation, for example, from yeah. my experience. No, that's good. I, I like that about the support group because sometimes we only look at who we're surrounded by, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, we all have friends, but we always have those friends that like we can lean on, you know, and then we have the friends that are just like, I keep them at a distance. We hang out when we hang out, you know, kind of thing or call, call each other up when we need a favor, right? You know, but I think a lot of times is one of the reasons why people don't reach out and and get help is they think they're the only ones going through it mm-hmm. you know that's and, a great point and the thing is is like you know there's even even in the midst of my wife going through cancer and you know there's hundreds of thousands of people that die of cancer you know and a, a go through it you still feel all alone you know and you said one in 26 people are diagnosed with epilepsy you know but yet people still feel all alone. They feel like they're the only ones going through it. But yeah, so I mean, finding a support group, you know, that, that's, that's, that's powerful. Now you found it in the family. You got rides back and forth, you know, helping you being able to, to date your husband, so to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> Story of my did life. You, did you dive more into your journalism and your broadcasting and things like that during this? How are you coping with I know you weren't having seizures every day, but how are you coping with the mentality of, I have epilepsy? Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is, is that when, well, I'm, I'm not sure funny is the right word, but, you know, the fortuitous thing, I guess, is, you know, after, after I was laid off from my job, it gave me time to, you know, really figure out what I wanted to do next. And I made the decision to go full speed ahead, trying to get jobs and marketing and public relations. But it also gave me time to take inventory with my health. And that was a time, it was a time where I wasn't doing particularly well epilepsy wise. I, I, yeah, in, um, 2015, 2016, I, I had something like eight seizures that year, which was really high for me. So my parents and I took a trip to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota in January of 2016. We went and had some tests done just to see if there was anything that could be done, like in terms of surgery, which it turns out my epilepsy was, in too many areas of my brain. So it couldn't be isolated to operate on. So medication's the only route for me in terms of treatment, but we were still able to see a very expert doctor up there, expert neurologist um, up at the Mayo Clinic in January in Minnesota, very, very, very cold. But um, I mean, if I had been working, you know, like maybe the opportunity, it would have been hard. It would have been hard to take vacation time, you know? So it also gave an opportunity like for me to really take inventory with my health, you know? So in a strange way, God shut the door to journalism, opened the door to a new career and also gave me an opportunity to find a doctor. So we, we went up to the Mayo Clinic a second time um, the following year. And then I started seeing my current neurologist at Oshner, who was a fellow at the Mayo Clinic, the expert, the first expert we saw referred us wow. to her. So talk about relationships, right? Wow, absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. So you're, you're, you're going through these, you're having all the seizures, you know, at some point you had to recognize 
that you're in a different season of your life. And you just mentioned it about, you know, you may not have, let's say you did have a job, you know, you know, getting the vacation time and things like that. How, how important was it to recognize that what you were going through has a purpose? Yes, that that is one of the mantras that I live by. Everything happens for for a reason. And I don't know how many times I repeated that to myself, like while I was being either turned down for jobs I applied for during that September 2015, October 2016, or, you know, while we were having tests done at the Mayo Clinic, you know, and they were telling me that, electric waves were firing from too many spots in my brain. So I couldn't have surgery. I had to stay on medication, you know? Uh, so yeah, every, literally everything, everything happens for, for a reason. And whether you believe in God or not, you know, that's something to really, really live by. It'll help you, it'll, it'll help you understand or, you know, get through really, really tough times, you know, just, just carrying that with you. I know it certainly carried me through some of the, some of the most challenging times in, in my life, just knowing that there is a higher purpose for, for, for everything. Yeah, absolutely. How have you been able to help people? You know, you said you're a part of the Epilepsy Foundation and things like that. How has your journey been able to help other people, not just through the epilepsy, but I mean, you've had to rearrange your life. You know, you've had to not being able to, to drive, the different jobs, having to be able to work from home, and then even working to, now having your own podcast, uh, uh, you know, serving the black and gold community. How has that been your, this is the way I'm helping, this is the way I'm able to cope with things, you know? I mean, because I know epilepsy is not running your life, okay? Right. But you've had had some things that you've had to make a lot of changes within your life. Yeah, yeah. So it certainly made me think about how I might want to pursue future. Right now, it's um, school, grad school, and uh, podcasting. But yeah, as far as how I'm looking to serve people, I mean, my goodness, like, you know, obviously, obviously, the more we, we, we tell our stories, and just look to connect people, it's that's the ticket for me, you know, serving before before selling, you know, not that I'm selling anything at the moment, but, you know, I guess selling our content, you know, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm, I've been that day, like I lit when I was laid off from my job, like I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, what, you know, really? Like I literally thought like, what do you mean you don't want me? You know, like I wasn't mad at my boss, you know, like he told me that they were going to have to let me go in the nicest way possible, you know, but I, I just, I just couldn't believe it. But at the same time, like I just tried to repeat over and over again, like we said, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason, yeah. you know? And I, I knew that I often tell my husband that if I still had that job, maybe I wouldn't have been as willing to move to Lake Charles, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, Lake Charles is no offense, but New Orleans is a lot more fun, you know, <laughs> like, especially with, with, you know, that job, like, yeah. I don't know. And then, you know, as far as having epilepsy, like I've been blessed, 
with, with an incredible support system and incorporating like daily prayer, or if you prefer to meditate, like I can't emphasize enough how important that is to, to center you, to center yourself and to just really remind yourself what we said that everything, everything happens for, for a reason. And I know my podcast is, is mostly about football and about the saints, but this is the stuff that fires me up, Joseph. I mean, talking about people's deeper stories and what makes them them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we talked about on your podcast, we talked about, you know, the rallying when something happens, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. You know, when Katrina happened and it, it wiped out the majority of New Orleans and, and so many people, or thousands of people uh, were affected. You know, you also had a team that was affected, you know, and mm-hmm. knowing that you know a lot about the Saints, I mean, the Saints yeah. almost didn't come back. They almost right. Texas, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but when they did... I mean, it, it was it was a rebirth that happened, and though it happened through a football game, it was the taking the pain of things that happened in a city with a love of the city and putting those two together, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and you had a rebirth, mm-hmm. you know, and you said you you even said you were at the game, you know, mm-hmm. being able to, to to see that and things like that, and we talked about that. But it's, it's ironic, you know, that even in the midst of pain, we can find ways to be rebirthed. We can find new direction. We can find ways to get past things because ultimately, you know, you talk about Katrina now as it's a pastime, mm-hmm. right? But yet you still meet people and talk about it like it just happened to them, yeah. you know? And it's been going on, let's see, 16 years now? 16 almost, yeah, years. 16 yeah. years, you know? And, um, and you know, the thing about it is you drive, you drive around in certain areas. And I remember driving around about a year after, and you still see boats underneath bridges and cars and different things and houses being marked up and stuff like that where, you know, but even now you, you drive around now and you still see areas that even though if you didn't know it was Katrina, but... It was still an effect. There's still a mentality of I went through this and so things will never change, even though that was over 16 years ago, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy to really think that. And because I look at it this way, okay? Pain is life's greatest teacher. It's also life's biggest crutch. Mm-hmm. You can allow pain to, ha- to to get you stuck like glue, or it can launch you into your destiny. Oh my gosh. You know, and that. you take yourself, somebody like yourself that's gone through epilepsy, okay? And though it may not be as severe as other people, and yours, is, uh, yours has been able to be maintained through medication, mm-hmm. you still had a choice. Right. Your mom could have said, oh my God, I can't do nothing about this. What am I going to do? You could have followed suit right behind that. You know, you could have had a victim mentality. Right, right. And that is definitely, I mean, I'm sure my parents might have had like their private, like sadness, you know, like seeing their daughter, like having to adjust to something new, like when I was a teenager. But, you know, now like we, we, talk about it together, you know, and look back on the early days occasionally, you know, and now it's just like a part of life, you know, you know, morning and night, you know, just like taking a vitamin, you know, like, and my, my last seizure was in 2019, you know, so knock on wood, you know, hopefully it'll, uh, the progress will continue. But again, it's, it's about 
controlling the things you can control, you know, like I, I try to just like, we all try to get as much sleep as we can, you know, reduce stress, you know, like those are common seizure triggers, yeah. you know, but um, yes, yeah, control the things we can control, but at it's a very complex condition, you know, and there are, there are some things that even the doctors don't understand about it. So, you know, we, we see the doctor um, and talk to her and, you know, it will be, you know, pregnancy and epilepsy, you know, when, when the time comes, if we're lucky enough to, to start a family, that will be an adventure all on its own. Uh, So we'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be certainly um, on pins and needles when that time comes, but uh, hopefully if uh, the medicine keeps working, we'll, uh, we'll be smooth sailing. The the thing about it, Rachel, is even with that in the preparation for those things, right? Because again, it's something you can't necessarily control. What you can control through your situation Mm -hmm. is your mindset. Yes, exactly. Your mindset to get you through it, your mindset to keep you from going back to certain things, right? You know, when we go through trauma, trauma, the end result of trauma is is shame, okay? How do we heal through trauma? How do we heal through pain? You know, the way, you know, you you talk about football because that's what your your podcast is about and connecting the culture and the life of New Orleans, you know, it was a circumstance, okay, that brought back the memories, okay? It wasn't necessarily the game that was played, okay? It, you know, we know the significance of the game and things like that, but it was the fact that we went back to something that we were all excited about, that we all knew about, that we were all happy about. And when you're going through pain, when you're going through trauma, sometimes you got to take that step back and saying, okay, if this is what I feel like I'm going through when I'm going through this stuff, how do I find my true authentic self? And that's what you got to go back to, to help in your healing. You go back to the time when you didn't feel that stuff when you didn't feel the pain, the hurt. And so for us as a city, it was football. Yeah. Everybody can relate to football here in New Orleans. You know, yes. even if you're not a diehard football fan, you know the Saints are marching into town, right? You know? Yes. And, uh, and so it's neat that, you know, the mindset of, of healing can all be, it can help when we understand, hey, you know what? Even though my life isn't the way it was when I was 14, I can still remember those times when I was, 12 and 13 and playing in the yard and being a kid and, you know, uh, playing football with the dad or going with dad and going to the saints games and stuff like that and be like, okay, that's how happy I was now. And just because I'm not as happy as I was, as I am right now in the current moment, or because of certain circumstances have changed things, I can still remember that back and change my mindset to be like, you know what, even though I can't drive, even though I can't do certain things, even though I may be subject to seizures, I can mm-hmm. still live in this mindset of, you know what? I want to start a family. I, I can have that. I want to be excited about those things. Absolutely. Our mindset, like you said, is our is our most powerful tool sometimes. You know, if we can just get our our minds in that right space and a positive space, then we can do amazing things yeah. with that right mindset. I love that so much. Absolutely. And you bring, you know, your podcast, you know, you bring a lot of mindset to that because of the people that you have on there, you know, connecting the culture, connecting the community, connecting the athletes with with what you do and things like that. How has that played a role in for you? Yeah. So I I started it. One of my grad school professors for her class in last fall, we had to put together a website uh, to showcase our 
personal brand and whatever niche that we chose. And so I was like, well, this is a no brainer. I'm passionate about the saints and it's the perfect opportunity to get my voice back out there. Like this is it. And we had to put some kind of regular content on it. Uh, and so my professor has a podcast, a market, a marketing podcast. And so I was like, well, a podcast could be fun. I know nothing about it, but it's really intriguing. And uh, I have some broadcasting experience. So I, I took a Travis Chapel's course, you know, how we connected. And I was like, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to rebuild some of my old connections that I had in the sports media industry, connect with some old reporter friends and some and make some new connections as well. The power of social media is where I get most of my guests. And, um, and also just, you know, rebuild my, my network from the past. Uh, and so that, that was where the inspiration began. Uh, I, I knew I loved the Saints since childhood. It's, it's easy to talk about. And so we've had people on, you know, not, not just reporters. We've had on uh, some, some fans, not not as many as I would like. I would like to start taking it in that direction to really to really get the 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 fan perspective because the Houdat Nation is like none other. I think it's the best fan base in the entire NFL. But uh, so I would like to start taking it in that direction. But um, I thought I would start it where I felt the most comfortable, you know, talking to, you know, fellow, fellow reporters, you know, keeping it more X's and O's and, and then slowly branching out to telling fan stories, you know, what makes you feel most connected to the saints? Tell me about your favorite memory. You know, were you there, you know, in 1967, you know, for that first game, or were you there when Tom Dempsey kicked the, you know, 63 yard field goal or, or, you know, I was there for the, for the rebirth game. Were you, you know, what was going through your mind? You know, th things like that, you know, like, I just want, I just want to bond with other saints fans. You know, we live here in Lake Charles now, but, but we get to New Orleans pretty, pretty regularly. Um, my family's all there. We're, we're season ticket holders. So I, I just love to, I would love to get to know the community, you know, a little bit more than, than just our little section. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of a little bit of backstory, I guess you could yeah. say. No, that's amazing. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to throw out a question to you. Okay. Okay. You know, you've gone through the epilepsy, epilepsy, you've gone through the job loss, you know, the transitions, you know, and things like that from moving from one city to the next, you know, you even went through Katrina, you know? Yeah. And, and here in Lake Charles, you know, we had two hurricanes last year, yeah. uh, Laura and, and Delta yeah, that came back. right through. Yeah. What does the phrase purpose through pain mean to you? That means to me, I would say just digging deep and, and really, really overcoming yeah yeah digging deep within yourself and finding finding the courage within yourself to overcome it might take summoning the the courage you didn't even know you had but that's that's what i would say that's good. That's powerful. Just that courage to overcome. Yeah. Because we all face it differently. We all process it differently. We all, some people live through it longer. Some, Absolutely. Some it's the, the courage to overcome, to get out of something, a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, you know. Um, you know, I mean, you talk about, you know, the saints and the, and, the, and, the, and New Orleans and the city. You know, I mean, it took a long time for people to recover from Katrina. 
It took a long time. You know, I listen, I know people that live in Lake Charles that are still, you know, having issues with their house and insurance and things like that, you know? And so, oh, yeah. you know, but it's the courage to keep fighting. It's that, that overcoming, I, I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer, you know, um, belief. So Rachel, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Thank you. Well, I am on most active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my handle is the same on both channels, Rachel W. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-W-504, Rachel W-504. And of course, subscribe to Black and Gold Rush. It is available on pretty much all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen, you can find it. Awesome. Awesome. Listeners, y'all have heard the story where Rachel's, uh, you know, conquered, I like to say conquered epilepsy and the journey that she's had with it, you know, of course, through medication, but also through a powerful mindset of not becoming a victim of, uh, of her circumstances, you know, job loss, you know, has suffered through that, um, hurricanes, I mean, you, you name it, and, and finding that support system that she needed in her life to help her you know, accept and know and understand that she's more than her, what she's going through. She's more than the epilepsy. She's more than, you know, the job loss. She's more than what we ultimately give ourselves credit for sometimes. So you are, she's, uh, she's on Twitter. She's on with the black and gold rush, uh, on podcast, please, by all means, go and listen, subscribe, give her a rating. And of course, don't forget to give us a rating, subscribe, share with uh, anybody that you may know that has gone through some stuff in life, gone through crap, gone through their own hell, because that's what it's about, you know, and we want to be able to help you guys find your purpose through pain. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just been a true honor and a blessing uh, to be able to speak with you today. And I just, I can't thank you enough. Oh my goodness, Joseph. I had a blast with you coming on my podcast and it was just just as rewarding being on your show. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.